Welcome to the UND Chi Alpha podcast, a podcast for shaping students that are changing culture. So now I want to invite up Josiah, our director, older brother, legend himself. He's going to preach a word yes. for you tonight. Yes. It's going to be good. Love you, bro. Love you. How y'all doing tonight? I feel like I, I feel like I say that every time. Do I? I feel like I do. Anyways, um, you guys, you guys know that that old hymn, "I Exalt Thee." Anybody? I just want to sing that for a second to start us off, if that's all right. I'll give you the tune. Give you a tune. I exalt Thee. Can sing with me. I exalt Thee. I exalt thee, O Lord. I'll just start to worship. Don't just sing. I exalt thee. I exalt thee. I exalt thee, O Lord. That's, that's worship. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think it's easy to think that worship is just, it has to have all this stuff. Like, it has to have the loud drums, and don't get me wrong, I'm a drummer. I've been drumming since the first grade. I love drums. <laughs> or it has to have, like, loud speakers or whatever, but we just need him. That's worship. We just need him. And I love this stuff. I love the freedom that we have in America, that we can literally be on a, a secular university and lift up the name of Jesus loudly through some speakers. It, it's amazing. And I, I do think that when we do this stuff, we should do it excellently as unto the Lord. Because I like to tell worship leaders and people who are in worship that when you do your job excellently, people notice Jesus because they don't notice you. Because you're not messing up. You're not thinking about the next note you're going to sing or the next word that you're going to say or the next note that you're going to play. You're just thinking about him. And that's when we start to lead people in worship. When we ourselves are worshiping, we're not merely singing a song or playing notes. So I think we should do this stuff well, but we don't need any of this stuff to worship him. We just need him. And... Um, one thing that I, I love about worship that the Lord has been helping me practice lately is it's been a rough week in the Negron household. All of my family is sick. I'm feeling a little bit under the weather right now myself, so bear with me if we go on these random bunny trails because my brain is quite literally not working. I feel like I have to work twice as hard for half of the output. That's how I've been, like, explaining it. But it's been a rough week, like, in the Negron household. Kenzie's super sick. Moses is up like every hour of the night. He's my almost one-year-old crying and wanting to snuggle with mom. And then as soon as Moses falls asleep, it's like Selah wakes up <laughs> and comes to our room and is crying and screaming. She had a really rough night last night. 
Um, but the thing about worship is we get one opportunity to worship in the midst of pain. Because when we get to heaven, when Jesus restores all things, and there's new heavens and there's new earth, there's not going to be any pain. And there's not going to be any sickness. There's not going to be any suffering, but there will still be worship. You know that worship is one of the only ministries that carries through eternity? You don't need to get saved. You're already in heaven. We don't need evangelism. We won't need people preaching the word because we'll have the Son of God sitting on his throne revealing himself to us face to face. But worship will carry out through eternity. And you only get one opportunity to worship Jesus in the middle of pain. This life. And I don't want to miss it. And I don't want you to miss it. So this week I've been trying to practice that for the last four or five days. Yesterday, when everyone was at like the height of their sickness... We just gathered all the family in the office, and I got some oil, and there's nothing special about the oil, but it doesn't do anything. It just it represents the Holy Spirit, and so I just put oil on all of the windows and all of the doors in our home, and I just like said, Holy Spirit, would you just come into our home, and would you just heal us? Would, would you help us to set our eyes on you even in the midst of this sickness in this suffering, while all of my kids are coughing their lungs out, I pray that we would still be a family that's committed to worshiping you. And we just prayed together. And we read Psalm 91, and we believed the declaration in Psalm 91. This is what I do, little random tip. I learned it from my mom. She would get oil, anoint the house, or just commit it to Jesus and read Psalm 91. Because it says that if you rest in the shadow of the Almighty, he will be your fortress. And he will be your refuge. And when he is your refuge, no evil will befall you. And no sickness will come near your tent. And we don't experience that right now, but I'm trusting that Jesus is still a healer even when I'm sick. Because my understanding of Jesus and based on my experience, it's based on who he says he is. And he is a healer. So we've just been trying to worship, and I just want to encourage you with that. You get one opportunity to worship in the middle of pain, in the middle of your mental illness. You get one opportunity to worship him with that pain. And one day it won't be there, and it'll be great. But I want you to take hold of that moment. And we've been doing what the, old, the people in the Old Testament have dreamed of right now during this, this time of worship when we gather together. Psalm 27, 4 David wrote it, King David, said he was a man after God's own heart, and he was a worshiper, and he dreamed of this day that we're living in right now. He sang this song in the Psalms, which is how I know music and worship is important to God because the second biggest book in the Bible is a collection of songs, second biggest one in the Bible. Psalm 27, 4 says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And the reason I say you're living in David's dream is because David, if he wanted to worship God and go into the presence of God, he had to go to the tabernacle. He had to go to the temple. He had to walk down a physical road and enter through physical doors and go through physical barriers to get into the presence of God. But since Jesus died on the cross, when he died... When he crushed Satan's head 
stole the keys to death and the grave, it says that there was a veil in between the Holy of Holies which contained the Spirit of God. It said that that veil split in half and the Holy Spirit was released on all of the earth. So now you don't have to go to a physical temple to get into his presence. You just have to look inward because it says in the scripture that the Holy Spirit has made his temple in your heart. If you've given your life to Jesus. But there's a thing here that you still have to go down a spiritual path to get into the presence of God. There are still spiritual directions that have been given to us in scripture that lead us into the very presence of God. That help us to look inward into this temple that the spirit has made. There is a path to the presence. And the path is this, Psalm 100. This is how you get into the presence of God. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. His gates are the means by which you enter into his presence. A gate is the thing that you have to step through to get to where you're going. And it says that you enter his gates with thanksgiving. That you enter his courts or his presence with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So what is the spiritual path to the presence? It's praise and thanks to him. That's how you get into the presence of God. That's how you step through the gate and experience the very real presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. I, uh, I grew up in a family that worship was pretty, like, central. And uh, when I was growing up and also when I had walked away from Jesus, there was a period where I, I wasn't serving Jesus for about five years of my life. And I like to say through my childhood and through that period that my mom prayed me through and my dad sang me through. And my dad is a worshiper. Um, it's just who he is. Same with my mom, but she's just like a prayer warrior. And um, my dad would always have music playing in our house. And I remember growing up and listening to him just make comments. There would be a song that came on, and he would always say this thing. There would be a song that came on that's about Jesus, and he, he would say, that's throne room worship. And then there would be another song that came on, and maybe it was a nice song, a Nice positive message. But he would say they missed it on that one. They didn't talk about him. They didn't sing about him. And the next one would come on, it would be about Jesus a bit again, and he's like, yeah, that's it. That's vertical worship. Like, that's about him. And uh, he would not only say that to me just in passing, but he would live a life of worship in the house. He wasn't a perfect person by any means, but I called him this week and I thanked him for that. I said, Dad, you show me how to worship. I don't know if you know that, but you showed me. So he would sit down in our living room. We had a keyboard and he would start to play just random. After work, mom's getting dinner ready. I'm sitting at the table doing my homework. Maybe a couple of my siblings are debating in the living room because if you're a Negron, you debate for fun. Um, so they'd be debating, and then maybe my little brother Elisha and Judah would be downstairs breaking something because that was usually their MO. 
I kid you not, I would literally talk to them. I said, you guys need to stop kicking this ball in the house. You're going to hit the light. And they're like, no, we're not. Five minutes later, you just hear. I'm like, bro, I literally told you. Do you remember that, Judah? Yeah, ridiculous. (laughs) It it was Elisha, yeah. We'll blame it on him. Um, But my dad would sit down at the keyboard in the middle of all this, and he would start to play the piano. And... um, You know, he had some sheet music in front of him, but really what I noticed is that when the words on the page ran out, the words that he started to sing were this, like, worthy is the lamb. We give you glory, Jesus. I exalt you, Jesus. And that was the song of his heart. Like, it was just him focused. It wasn't all the craziness of his five kids running around doing what the heck ever. It it was focusing on him. And uh, he would talk about this scripture in Revelation 4 and 5. And I'd just like to share with you what my dad gave to me. Is that all right? Tonight, because Revelation 4 and 5 is, is quite literally throne room worship. Like we get a little look behind the curtain of what worship is supposed to look like. What worship looks like and sounds like in heaven. And it's a long passage But um, there's some scriptures that need explaining and teaching, and there's other scriptures that speak for themselves. And it's just better to read the whole thing and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. So, y'all ready? Holy Spirit, I pray that you would touch each one of us as we read your scripture. It says at the beginning of Revelation that if you read this letter out loud, you will be blessed. So we pray you would bless us, you would teach us things about your presence, about what worship is about as we read this. In Jesus' name, amen. So Revelation chapter 4, verses 2 through 11, and then chapter 5, verses 6 through 14. If you want to, like, just imagine this while you're listening. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. It was, it was God, just spoiler alert. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center, around the throne, were four living creatures. And they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had the face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and were covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. And day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns or what they find worth in, what they think is glorious. 
they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. The lamb went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, singing, you are worthy. They're speaking of Jesus the lamb to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice. They were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. This is throne room worship. This is what worship is all about. It is all about him. And the question that we're trying to answer tonight and through this series is why worship? And what I want you to get is Because he's worth it. Why do all of this stuff? Why give our life as a mission for this lamb of God that was slain, this dude that lived 2,000 years ago? Why lift my hands? Why sing? Why play all these instruments? Because he's worth it. We don't need any other reason other than that. If creatures and beings that are much more glorious right now than we are, are singing, God, you deserve the glory, you are holy, 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 how much more should that be our song? And we actually are in the final song that is sung at the end of Revelation 5, because it says it's all creation. So it's this cascading flow of worship that starts from the throne to the four creatures, and around them, 24 elders And around them, millions and millions of angels. And then after that, every creature on the earth and under the earth and in the sea, which includes us. And that song that we are supposed to sing is to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise, honor, glory, and power forever. And when you make worship about him, When you decide in your heart that he is worth it, that he is worth your whole life, your praise will actually reach heaven. Because the creatures and everything on the earth, they're not in heaven, right? But they started to hear this song and they echoed their own song. And then the four creatures said amen to their song. 
So the praise actually got to heaven. And if you'll make it your mission in your life to worship God because he's worth it and make it all about him and not about any of this other stuff, not about being entertained, not about performing for somebody else, not about a feeling, if you'll just determine to worship him because he's worth it, your praise will reach the ear of God. And the creatures in heaven will actually say amen to your praise and to your thanksgiving. Why worship? It's because he's worth it. At the very center of worship is the throne and the Lamb of God. And we have to remember that. This is the thing that is central. This is the thing that is first. This is the thing that is second. This is the thing that you need to return to over and over and over again in your life if you want to recalibrate your soul to please Jesus. It is not about you. I know we don't like that as a culture that tells us that, man, just follow your heart. Do what you think is right. It is not about you. It's about him. And if you make it about him, if you give him praise, if you give him glory, he will give you himself. He will take what is his. What does John 13 say? The spirit will take what belongs to Jesus and he will give it to you. And it's only by the Spirit. You could got, I'm on that bunny trail thing right now. <laughs> and it's only by the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12. Write it down. 1 Corinthians 12 says, you can only say Jesus is Lord by the Holy Spirit. It's only in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, intimate relationship with him, that you can actually ascertain and understand the wonder and the glory of God and give it to him. I heard uh, one person explain it like this. We already fall short when we try to explain and understand an infinite and uncreated God with created and finite language. We're already an entire realm of existence short when we try to explain and understand an infinite and uncreated God with created and finite language. But the beautiful thing is, 1 Corinthians 2, you can write that one down as well. The beautiful thing is that if you will worship by the Spirit, make it all about Him. 1 Corinthians 2 says that the Holy Spirit searches the mind of God and reveals the secrets about God to you. Is that making sense? When you worship by the Spirit, you will understand who you're worshiping, and he will give you himself. He will give you himself. So let me just build a biblical precedent for you about the worthiness and the holiness of God. Why worship? Because he's worth it. So first, holiness. That was the song that they were singing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holiness can be described as separate, other than, set apart. Holiness is separate, other than, or set apart. And Isaiah 55 says this about God, the God that we worship. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. 
For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. That's the holiness of God. He is so utterly different (laughs) from us that the only right response when we see him rightly is worship. There is no other being in heaven, on earth, under the earth, in the sea, that is anywhere close to him. He is the only holy and anointed one. The only one who is holy and worthy of worship. Secondly, worthiness. I want to say this too about holiness. Um, So remember it was that cycle. It was like the four creatures, the 24 thrones, the angels, all of creation, and then back to the four creatures. And it says that the four creatures say amen, and they bow down, they fall down, and they worship again. So these four creatures who see God every moment, they have been there for an eternity before you, and they will be there probably after your existence here, but then we'll go be with them in heaven, and they have not stopped singing holy, holy, holy since they were created by God. They see new sides of his holiness every moment in heaven because he is eternally holy, and these glorious beings are just saying, God, you're holy, and I think we would do well to do the same. And I'll worship. Like, if you think you have the holiness of God figured out, you're about an eternity away from figuring it out. Like, you'll even be learning things about God when you get to heaven. He's eternal. There are new sides of his holiness, of his face, that you'll be learning forever. That's why being in heaven, when God restores all things and brings a new heaven and a new earth, it's not going to get tiring to worship him. It's not going to be boring because we'll always be learning about his beauty, about his holiness. Now his worthiness. Psalm 89, 5 through 18. It's just cool how scripture connects to itself here. It says, all heaven will praise your great wonders. Myriads of angels will praise you for your faithfulness. For who in all of heaven can compare with the Lord? What mightiest angel is anything like the Lord? The highest angelic powers stand in awe of God. He is far more awesome than all who surround his throne. O Lord, God of heaven's armies, where is there anyone as mighty as you, O Lord? You are entirely faithful. You rule the oceans. You subdue their storm-tossed waves. You crush the great sea monster. You scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. The heavens are yours and the earth is yours. Everything in the world is yours. You created it all. You created north and south, Mount Tabor and Mount Hermon, praise your name. Powerful is your arm, strong is your hand. Your right hand is lifted high in glorious strength. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Unfailing love and truth walk before you as attendants. Happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship, for they will walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice all day long in your wonderful reputation. They exult in your righteousness. You are their glorious strength. It pleases you to make us strong. Yes, our protection comes from the Lord. And he, the Holy One of Israel, has given us our King. When we see Jesus in his glory, in his worth, in his wonder, in his majesty, it is a joy to respond to him in worship. 
Did you catch that in verse 15? That they respond. After seeing all of this stuff before in the psalm, that there's nothing more glorious than him that surrounds his throne, it says, happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship. When we see him, when we see that he's worth it, it will be a joy to respond with worship. It will be a joy to respond with worship. And I want to pivot here for a second and, and tell you about the benefit of worship. Because it's, it is all about him, but in this weird way, we actually benefit when we make it all about him. We don't worship him to get things, but we give him everything. And then, like I said, he gives us himself. He makes us like him. But we have to worship him rightly. And I want to read this quote. We have to worship him in truth. In truth. I want to read this quote by Jeremy Riddle in a book he wrote called The Returning. It says, God insists on being worshipped for who he actually is. He is not honored by ignorance or falseness. No one is. None of us appreciates being honored for who we are not. It's like if I said to Matt, Matt, I just love your long, blonde, flowing hair. You're like, I don't have long, blonde, flowing hair. <laughs> but none of us is honored for who we are not. And this is what he says. Write this down. Only truth has the power to honor. If worship lacks truth, it fails to honor the one we're worshiping. If worship lacks truth, it fails to honor the one we're worshiping. And the implication is we have to know God to worship God. The knowledge of God is connected to the right worship of God. Does that make sense? The knowledge of God is connected to the right worship of God. So the implication for us is we have to read the Bible. It says that no one has seen God's face, but in Hebrews 1 it says that he has made himself known through his son. And his son is the word. And he spoke out the word by the Spirit, and gave us the scriptures so that we can know him, so that we can know what he's like. We haven't seen his face, but we've seen his hand. You know what I'm saying? We haven't seen his face. No one has seen the face of God, but we've seen his hand in the Bible and in history and how he interacts with his people. And if we become students of the scripture to know God, in order to rightly worship God, we will start to create this image of God that is right to worship. Can you throw that face up there? I went 2000, like 10 on you guys and put a little word mash together. And I didn't look at the Bible to write all of these words. And it created a face of God. I just know these things because I've spent time with him. I've spent time in his word, and I've let himself, by his Holy Spirit, reveal who he is to us. He is beginning and end. He is righteous. He is Lord of lords. He is merciful. He is faithful. He is loving. He is patient. 
He is slow to anger. He is holy. He is not like us. And I'll start to see the face of God. And when we enter through the gate and we get into the presence of God, the word presence in the Old Testament and the New Testament, write this down, the Old Testament and the New Testament is the word panem, P-A-N-I-M. And it actually means face. Presence actually means face. So when we get into the presence of God, we're actually staring at the face of God. And if we have a wrong image of his face, we'll be worshiping a false idol, not God. We have to get the right image because that's what worship is. And he actually reveals his face in worship. As you commit yourself to worship, as you commit yourself to the word, as you commit yourself to the people of God and what he's called you to do in obedience, you will start to create this face and this face will change you. You will become what you worship. You will become like God. I have one scripture and then I want to end this thing. So worship team, you can come up. And I'd just like to enter through the gate. I'd like to give him praise. I'd like for you to just stare at his face, which is his presence, who he is, and declare this together. This is what happens in worship when we look at his face. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. When we come into his presence, when we behold his glory, when we look at his face, when we make it about him, it says that Jesus actually transforms us into his image from one degree of glory to another. Isn't that beautiful? You guys can start playing whenever. Uh, and you guys can stand up. And we'll, we'll just worship and I'll pray. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Oh, I do have five things for you. Five things. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. You can stand up. You can stand up. Five things. Five practicals, right? Because this was a pretty, like, brainy talk. Five things that you can determine what you worship. How do you spend your time? What do you think about? Where do you spend your money? What do you give your best energy and effort? What are you devoted to? And what do you desire most? So the five things are time, thoughts, money, devotion, and desire. And if you look at these things, you might get a little idea of what you've been worshiping lately. And I would love for it to be a heart check, a recalibration of us turning back to Jesus. And just worshiping him above everything else. All right, now I'll pray. <laughs> thank you, God, for your presence. I thank you that we need no other reason right now to give you everything. To give you a costly sacrifice of worship other than you are worth it. And we pray, God, that I pray right now for the rest of our life this would be a shift in every person in the room. That they would no longer make worship about them, what they get their circumstances, but they would make it about you and they would return to you every day until they go be with you. And that it would change them. 
Lord Jesus, as we stare into your face, as we enter through the gate with thanks and praise, and we just look at you, you're going to change us. You're going to give us those things that you've placed in our heart. You're going to lead us in the right direction. You're going to change our feelings about our enemies to love them and not hate them. You're going to change everything about us, and you're going to conform us into your image from one degree of glory to another. So we commit this time to you, God. We just want to worship you and say that we love you in the next couple of moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We hope it blessed you, encouraged you, and equipped you to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. If you would like to connect with us, you can visit us at undkialpha.com.